Namaste, or welcome to this edition of Indic Chat presented by Indica and Indic Academy Network. Indic Academy is a non-profit seeking to bring an intellectual, cultural and spiritual renaissance based on Indic civilizational thought. It enables public intellectuals to discover their potential, transform them as thought leaders and nurture them to become social entrepreneurs. Indic Academy also incubates, invests and assists social enterprises in delivering a product, service or an experience that is based on Indic thought. These aims are achieved through scholarships and grants, courses and programs, networks and platforms and affiliates. Indic Academy is currently incubating platforms such as Indic Today, Indic Book Club, Indic Knowledge Systems, Creative India, Advaita Academy and Indic Festivals. You can find out more about Indic Academy through these websites, indicacademy.org, indica.network, indictoday.com, indicbookclub.com, indicapictures.com, advaita-academy.org. With the introduction to Indic Academy done, let me introduce the erudite, inspiring and very modest Sarvesh Tiwariji, who's kindly agreed our, to our request for an Indic chat on reimagining Bharat Bhasha, myths, challenges and possibilities. Sarveshji is a researcher and blogger. Uh, he's interested in Indic history and civilization. He blogs and tweets under Bharatendu and is quite popular with people interested in these topics. Namaste Sarveshji. Dhanteras ke shubhav sar par Bharatiya bhashaon ka swarnan va apratnam sambandh jorti aaj ke Indic chat mein aapka swagat hai. Welcome again. Varnanam arth sanghanam rasanam chandasamapi Mangalanam Chakartaro, Vande Vani Vinayako, Bhavani Shankaro Vande, Shraddha Vishwasaru Pino, Yabhyam Vinana Pashyanti, Siddha Swantastamishwaram, Vande Bodhamayam Nityam, Gurum Shankaru Pinam, Yamashrito Hivakropi, Chandraha Sarvatra Vandyate, Namasarvebhya, Namaste Dimpalji. Thank you very much for inviting me uh, for this chat. And thank you uh, also to the Indic Academy for facilitating it. I think the topic is very, very uh, apropos and uh, very relevant to the times that we are in. So thank you for facilitating it once again. And it's I also our... wish all our uh, participants a very happy Deepavali and Dhantriyo uh, 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 it's our absolute delight, Sarveshji, uh, to have you here in this edition of Indic Chat. Aapke blog or aapke Twitter handle se to ye sahaji prateet hota hai ki aap Bhartindu ji ke vyaktitwa se unke kaare se kaafi prabhavit rahe hai. Would you like to share more about this piece? Ji, aapne bilkul uchi tarman lagaya. Ya tharth hai ki Bhartindu Harishchandra ji ke vyaktitwa aur krititwa se prabhavit raha. कुछ एक व्यक्तित्व ऐसे होते हैं जिनकी छाप गहरे पड़ जाती है और कई बार ऐसा होता है कि उनकी रुचियां आपकी रुचियां उनके कार्य और आपके आपकी रुचियां तारतम्य में आ जाते हैं तो भारतेंदु जी बहुमुखी प्रतिभा के व्यक्ति थे जिस समय उनका प्रादुर्भाव हुआ the time that he was born in it was a British period and the language uh, seen in, in especially in the north india the time that he was born in was really really uh, disappointing so uh, he was a little boy when the 1857 uh, happened and one of the things that people noticed and uh, he mentions at places that he also noticed was that um, 
while the soldiers who had mutinied uh, were from two places uh, they were eastern uttar pradesh and bihar uh, soldiers and at the same time fighting alongside them uh, as their comrades in arm uh, were also soldiers from andhra pradesh and uh, it was so sad and surprising that they could not understand each other's language easily while they were fighting for the same cause this um, really impressed bharatendu harishchandra ji deeply and at that time he uh, and his family used to live in uh, west bengal and uh, eventually they moved to uh, kashi and he made it his life mission to revive uh, a lingua franca which uh, can be used by all indians as a com- means of communication he um, had studied uh, marathi bengali prakrit apabhramsh sanskrit and he also uh, had uh, decent knowledge in urdu and farsi and he did lot of translations he actually started a uh, revival of this language we now call hindi through translations of uh, bengali nataks uh, natakas and uh, uh, novels and then he uh, went on to learn english and he translated several of english classics into hindi language as well he even translated uh, multiple sanskrit and prakrit uh, works uh, as well he was very very wealthy so he invested all his wealth uh, into this cause he established newspapers printing presses he established scholarships he uh, promoted um, uh, a language which would be very close to sanskrit which would be inspired by sanskrit which will uh, take the vocabulary of sanskrit and which would also be at, at the same time um, as easy for a common person to easily learn and understand and um, it's due to bharatindu ji that uh, we are able to speak this language which we call hindi otherwise uh, promoted by british and other interests uh, it would have been urdu which especially in the north india would have occupied the linguistic space so dimple ji um, you are right uh, i do have a lot of a uh, lot of uh, uh, respect for bharatindu ji and that's why when i saw this domain uh, was available bharatindu.com i picked that up har sarveshi actually is index chart ki parikalpana maine kafi samay se ki hui hai aur abhi kuch not really in the distant past there have been some instances jinse ki laga ki aise vartalap ki aise samvad ki avashyakta badh gayi hai hamare samaj mein hamare desh mein jaise in we had agitation by was used for metro sandwiches which was the kind of street options also on a few even you know you see call a verbal violence against hindi kuch log bolte hain ki hindi shabd hi follow uske koi respect dena aur then i kind of think that we have had this linguistic diversity uh, for centuries so uh, how did the hindu civilization conduct its life uh, in the past and uh, was sanskrit the lingua franca uh, can you tell us something about it avashya dimple ji so first of all uh, let's look at the uh, linguistic diversity of india which is truly truly amazing 
So as per the uh, linguistic survey or the census that happened in 2011 and the reports published, um, according to that report, uh, people uh, said that uh, uh, there are about 19,200, a little more than that, wow. uh, that many languages in India. So the methodology of that survey when I was reading about it was very simple. They would uh, not give any option. They would say, what is your language? And person has to respond with one language. And they would just take that answer without having to, you know, doing any, any uh, analysis up front. So the answer that they received uh, from every individual or every family, that count is to 19,000. So, wow. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that would perhaps be the most diverse, linguistically diverse civilization that uh, we are. Now, one problem with that survey, I think I should immediately mention is, it asks for one language. It says, what is your mother language? It does uh -huh. not say, what are the different languages you know? Because um, unlike um, monolithic linguistic uh, cultures um, in Europe uh, and, and, and uh, in the West generally, every Indian perhaps knows three or more languages. So um, in North India, again, that's a, that's a common misconception among a lot of people that North Indians speak Hindi. Now, my, my mother tongue is not Hindi. My mother tongue is Avadhi. I speak uh -huh. Avadhi at home with my parents or siblings or with my family. I don't remember, I, I don't think I ever spoke Hindi with my parents because it will look very awkward. <laughs> just to share, just to share, uh, my grandmother, um, she, I mean, we are from Uttar Pradesh, Eastern Uttar Pradesh, near Ayodhya. She, she, she could not speak Hindi. She, you know, I mean, it, it would seem surprising to many people, they say Hindi belt, etc. But there are a lot of people, especially in the rural areas, who can understand Hindi but not speak Hindi. So uh, I, I'm just going a little bit um, into that, uh, belaboring my point, that multilingual um, society is a reality in India. And our census, our linguistic survey, does not do justice to that uh, multilingual nature uh, of India and especially North India. So Uttar Pradesh alone, for example, has uh, more than 10 well-established languages. So hmm. somebody, for example, who speaks um, uh, Bagheli will Hanji. not be communicate in that language with somebody from, let's say, uh, northeastern part of Uttar Pradesh, let's say Gorakhpur uh, or nearabouts, where Bhojpuri is spoken. Hmm. Somebody likewise in Uttarakhand or uh, Uttar Pradesh, Uttarakhand border, that speaks Gadhwali will not be able to communicate in Bajbhasha. So yes. these are not uh, just bolis or vibhashas. These are actual bhashas. So um, there is there is a communication lingua franca, you can say, which uh, uh, has come down to be Hindi. But this linguistic diversity uh, is not captured truly by the uh, linguistic survey. Now, this is true of entire India. I was just taking an example out of Uttar Pradesh, but it's true of uh, um, all India. Now, when we have so much of diversity, uh, you know, which is uh, since ages, naturally, there would have been some working system that uh, Hindu civilization or the Indian civilization must have uh, found to be working for itself. So 
i hope that in next few minutes uh, we would be uh, able to get a little bit into all of that but coming back to the point you made dimple ji that uh, so much of um, tussle is going on tension exists uh, on basis of linguistic identity so uh, it's i think pretty natural for everyone to have uh, pride and affection for one's uh, mother tongue in fact i would say it would be abnormal if somebody said that uh, i don't have pride uh, i don't have uh, uh, affection for for the mother tongue the tongue which uh, we grew up uh, listening uh, right from the cradle in fact before we were born perhaps right so yes. <laughs> so I, i'm reminded of a um, line which mathili uh, sharan gupta ji uh, had said that jise na nij bhasha na nij desh par abhiman hai vah nar nahi nar pashu nira samjho mitak saman hai so he goes to that extent he says if uh, you don't uh, love your mother tongue consider yourself uh, as good as uh, nar pashu he says or dead so uh, it's pretty natural but i also have to say at the same token that as far as i can see as far as i have noticed this kind of language based tussle was not a uh, feature of indian society and we did celebrate this linguistic diversity we did have a working model of how it all works so wow. i'll <laughs> I, i'll quickly move to the other point you made that um, people say that hindi is a new language maybe hindi name itself is foreign and um, and uh, what what is the reality of that so dimple ji it is um, it is true that this word hindi just like the word hindu uh, is of uh, foreign origin so arabs uh, actually started calling uh, uh, india hind which was itself uh, they had taken from persian hindu and um, the first attestation of this word hindi for the language actually comes from a persian work uh, of uh, about 5th century 5th to early 6th century it's um, it's from a persian translation uh, of panchatantra so the uh, the then uh, shah of uh, iran called nosherwan he had ordered um, a translation um, of uh, panchatantra Mm-hmm. which which uh, in the preface of that the author the translator says that he is translating it from zuban e hindi now oh acha acha wow so in 5th century uh, you have the first usage of this word hindi for um, for a language but um, you might be curious obviously uh, the language being referred to here is not what we call hindi it is yes. sanskrit yes hmm. so Ye- so uh, the arabs and uh, persians especially persians they called sanskrit as hindi okay uh-huh. and you find this um, not only here at multiple places there was another translation parts which which is parts of mahabharata uh, again before the islam was born it was translated in the pahlavi language eastern iranian uh, dialect of farsi ji there also the word hindi uh, is used to refer to sanskrit bhasha and uh, and um, so there, there are several examples that uh, they, they use uh, this language 
Hindi. Uh, another example, still in um, abroad, is a biographer of uh, Taimur uh, Taimur Lang. Uh, mm -hmm. His name was uh, Sarfruddin Yazdi. So he okay. wrote a uh, Persian Arabic uh, book called uh, Zafar Nama, mm -hmm. where he uses um, the word Hindi, saying that uh, uh, he mentions certain words such as Rao for a king, and he says this word uh, has come from Hindi language. Hmm. So this is in like 14th, early 15th century, Zafar Nama. Now, I have very interesting, um, another uh, reference uh, to this language Hindi. Um, this is uh, from uh, Al-Biruni. So Al-Biruni, we all know, um, uh, was with uh, Muhammad Ghaznavi. And he had uh, spent 13 years in India, learning um, about different uh, subjects, different sciences. And right in the beginning of his book, um, Al-Biruni says, uh, he talks about uh, the language, and he says this language that Indians use, Hindus use, is Hindi. And, <laughs> and um, the interesting thing is, and I would like to read um, just one couple of sentences. So, so this is um, this is Al-Biruni's uh, book uh, translated from Arabic by uh, Dr. Qayamuddin Ahmad of Aligarh University. Uh -huh. So I read, he says, this language Hindi is divided into a neglected vernacular one, only in use among the common people, and a classical one only in use among the upper and educated classes. Uh -huh. which, is, which is much cultivated and subject to the rules of grammatical inflections and etymology and mm -hmm. to all the niceties of grammar and rhetoric. So this is um, in early 11th century, Al-Biruni, who yeah. is saying that Hindi is a language which has two registers. Yes. There is one register used by common people and another elevated register which is used by elites and educated class. Yes. I, I, I'm going to repeat that so that it's very clear. Hmm. Al-Biruni uh, spent 13 years in India uh, from Kashmir to uh, Madhya Desh to um, Karnataka to Gujarat. He, to Sindh, he, he traveled a lot of places and, um, and uh, he was aware of several other languages. He, in fact, further mentions uh, many languages and scripts. He mentions uh, Kannada by name. He mentions Dravid Bhasha, Tamil he calls Dravid. He mentions uh -huh. Andhra Bhasha. He uh -huh. mentions uh, so many languages. He mentions uh, scripts by name. So he describes each script. So it's not that he was not aware he, that, that he just called general language as Hindi. So he's making an observation that Hindi is a language which on one hand is very elevated, which is basically Sanskrit uh, used by elites with uh, tightly bound in a grammar and very specific uh, word selection through etymology, etc. And then there is a poor register of the same language, Hindi, which is used by ordinary common people. So let that point be remembered that Hindi and Sanskrit, he calls the same language Hindi. Now, um, even before, um, even before um, Al-Biruni, uh, there are other uh, travelers, other um, uh, Arab and Persians who, who had visited India and who mentioned languages such as Gujarati. 
So I also want you to uh, pay attention to this um, appellation or this um, title of Hindi. Why do they call this language Hindi? They call this language Hindi because it was widespread. It was um, understood. It was lingua franca of India, uh, greater uh, India at least. And um, not that they are not aware of other languages. They call Gujarati, like I said, they mentioned the other languages as well. Now, I'll move forward. Um, we, what, what did we ourselves call Hindus or natives of India? We didn't use this word Hindi until about 1800, you'd be surprised. Until about year 1800 or slightly before that, we did not use this word Hindi for this language. We, wow. called, <laughs> so we called this Bhasha that we are speaking Bhasha. We simply called it Bhasha. We either called it Bhasha and let me give some examples. So um, Tulasi Dasji in the preface of uh, Amtarit Manas, uh, he writes his Sanskrit uh, Chanda and it ends with Bhasha Nibadha Mati Manjula Matanoti. So he says that I'm I'm doing this uh, Nibandh, this uh, uh, work in Bhasha. Very interesting, uh, his near contemporary, junior contemporary, Keshavadas, very important uh, poet of Braj Bhasha. He mm -hmm. says, Bhasha bolna janahi jinke kulke das, tin bhasha kavita kari jadmati Keshavadas. Ah. <laughs> so uh, please understand, he is referring to both Sanskrit and Bhasha. He says that um, in my family, Jinke Kulke Das, even servants of my family yes. don't use Bhasha. They speak in Sanskrit. They don't use Bhasha. Yes. But then I am unfortunate. I am Jada Buddhi. I don't have, yeah. you know, that I am having to write poetry in Bhasha. He is right. referring to Braj Bhasha. Then... Oh. So he, I mean, I'm just, so I'm only using examples where both Sanskrit and this Bhasha we call Hindi is coming together. Okay. Tulsi, for example, again, at another place in the preface of Manasa, um, there is, uh, there is a very emotional line. He says, Bhasha bhaniti bhori mati thori hasahi yogya hasahi na khori. Please Aha. understand. He says that I'm, I, I write poetry in Bhasha. I'm not writing in Sanskrit because more my, my mind is small. Bhori Mati Mori. My mind is small, so I'm not writing poetry in Sanskrit. Hasahi Yogya. It is laughter worthy, my effort, because I'm not writing in Sanskrit, I'm writing in Bhasha. It's laughter worthy. Yes. And please laugh. There is no harm in laughing, he says. So, <laughs> so. I, I, I just wanted to mention that, um, um, understand the sentiment. They are referring to Sanskrit and Bhasha in a uh, relationship to each other. Kabir, uh, several centuries yeah, before, yes. before uh, Tulsi Das, uh, says, Sanskrit kavita kupajal bhasha bahita neer. So, <laughs> so he says, Sanskrit kavita is deep. Yes. But at the same time, you need effort to cultivate it. Koop jal. Koop pani. It is deep, but you need to um, put an effort to understand it, to learn uh, Sanskrit kavita. But bhasha bahita neer. Bhasha means language that I am speaking in and writing in. 
it is like a river you can just go there and um, take the water and quench your thirst again he is is trying to compare and contrast again but the po- larger point was that um, that uh, yes this word hindi is of foreign origin we ourselves yes. didn't use this word uh, until late 1700s perhaps mm-hmm. indian muslims though a um, uh, lot of lot indian muslims continue to use this word hindi to refer to uh, indian language okay that is also true so for example um, amir khusro in uh, 13th century uh, writing in uh, persian he says turk hindustaniyam man hinduvi goyam jawab so he says um, i am an indian muslim i am turk hindustani turk and i speak hinduvi bhasha okay now uh, there are several examples that we can give that um, they continue to use this word hindi and mm-hmm. that perhaps causes confusion that we mix later when it comes to urdu that maybe we can talk about we uh-huh. kind of get confused what is urdu and what is hindi so uh, this was quite interesting actually so are you suggesting that uh, it was an upper branch or uh, the current version of what we currently call hindi uh, this in uh, you know in uh, it was the lingua franca of a larger section of indian society and sanskrit was also there so can we conclude that kya hum ye nishkarsh nikal sakte hain ji thoda samay isme dena hoga is vishay par thoda sa aur samay hai aap samay lijiye ek bahut sundar pankti ek chhand mahakavi kalidas ji ka aata hai kumar sambhav mein ve kehte hain विधा प्रयुक्ते न चवांगमयेन सरस्वती तन्मिथुनम नुनाव संस्कार पूते न वरम वरेण्यम वधूम सुखग्राह्य निबंधनेन इट्स वेरी ब्यूटीफुल छंद Uh, the, the, okay so the context is that uh, as you know kumar sambhav is a, is a great poetry all about uh, how the kumar was born ji so this is um, from the saptame sarga so this is from seventh sarga and uh, the context is that uh, shiva and uh, parvati they have been married now and uh, now they are seated together it kind of reception okay okay <laughs> and divine reception ji all the gods and goddesses all the devata gana they appear and they congratulate the couple <laughs> and okay. uh, and uh, this the, so his kalidas mahodaya is describing uh, how saraswati congratulated uh, shiva and parvati so he says dvidha prayuktena cha vangmayena he says that this vangmaya this um, this body of speech saraswati uh, uses two modes of that speech dvidha okay so uh, she praises uh, nunava she praises the mithuna the couple uh, in a body of speech which had two modes okay what are those two modes that kalidas says in the next two lines he says samskar putena varam varenyam so when she is addressing the uh, groom Hmm. Uh, saraswati is using samskar put bhasha okay you can easily guess that is sanskrit 
and then uh, saraswati devi addresses parvati devi and in what language uh, what type of language rather vadhum sukh grahya nibandhane sukh grahya it is easily understood language oh so, understood <laughs> so so uh, you ask that uh, whether it's exactly so lingua franca i mean this is divine lingua franca even saraswati is speaking to gods so deva bhasha is not just sanskrit alone and <laughs> it is sanskrit definitely but at the same time assisting sanskrit is another language which is sukhgrahya and you can give any name you like apabhansh like you mentioned apabhansh can be one name broken we can get into little bit detail about that but i want to once again highlight what what alburuni said and what much earlier and much more eloquently mahakavi kalidas says it is one vangmaya which has two modes hmm. one is samskaraput and another is sukhgrahya okay so uh, the problem comes when we straight jacket that vangmaya into saying this is devabhasha and this wow. is corrupted okay hmm. kalidas didn't do that in fact yes. uh, mahakavi kalidas since we are talking about him he is uh, very close to half of his body of um, uh, literature is not in sanskrit bhasha not in the bhasha of uh, pandini's grammar half of his about 40% or 45% uh-huh. is in prakrit bhasha and multiple prakrit bhashas mostly in apabhansh and even apabhansh bhasha so in um, in uh, vikramur vashiyam uh, he actually composes uh, poetry in apabhansh apabhansh is basically where um, hindi and several other modern languages um, arose from so whenever i hear people say that uh, kalidas is a um, great sanskrit poet that he definitely is but do not forget he is not just a sanskrit poet kalidas is arya bhasha poet he 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 uh, you know represents all our um, collective um, spectrum of arya bhasha right from sanskrit to this sukhgrahya bhasha which i call we you call we call hindi today okay now we'll we डिम्पल जी थोड़ा दस मिनट और थोड़ा इसमें हमें क्योंकि आपने प्रश्न पूछा बहुत ही महत्वपूर्ण प्रश्न है और थोड़ा सा हमें इतिहास में जाना होगा जी तो लगभग चौथी पांचवी शताब्दी फोर्थ आई एम सॉरी फोर्थ और फिफ्थ सेंचुरी ओल्डेस्ट इंस्क्रिप्शन विच यूजेस दर्ड संस्कृत ओके i i believe i can perhaps i i don't i think uh, i think that is the oldest uh, inscription which mentions sanskrit as a as a language uh, is in saurashtra in uh, vallabhi okay so okay. so this inscription talks about a um, king uh, and uh, says that um, that king was nipuna uh, in doing poetry in three languages or actually oh. it doesn't say languages it just says sanskrit prakrita apabhansham so uh, he conducted um, poetry in sanskrit prakrita and apabhansham so i mention this because sanskrit for the first time appeared in this inscription and immediately following sanskrit is prakrita and apabhansham huh? so we should pause and understand a little bit more um, about this um, 
trividha bhasha why it is why this arya bhasha and this is a pattern which i can give you perhaps dozens of examples dozens right from uh, right from uh, great uh, sanskrit grammarians like uh, uh, mahamuni patanjali himself mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. right from the uh, in, in his mahabhashya actually the first statement he makes is about apurbhansha it's very you know people don't pay attention to it he he says ekasyaiva shabdasya bahava apurbhansha that's how he starts wow he says that for every single word there are multiple apurbhanshas now wow. obviously i i admit he is not talking about a language called a pravansha yes. but he is defining uh, actually the behavior but then he doesn't use the word sanskrit either for describing um, the language we we know as sanskrit right i can give multiple examples but i'll uh, perhaps use um, the great uh, scholar king uh, the uh, pramara rajan bhojadev so in his um, uh in in his uh, great work uh, uh, shringar prakash he actually describes this this in great detail people uh, you know get perhaps get uh, agitated when it is pointed out that uh, uh, sanskrit itself is not one language but perhaps a closely knit related more than one languages bhojadeva says the same he says he actually says that vakya or the vach the speech uh, is again three types he says sanskrit prakrit apabhramsha again as i said dozens of writers who say the same thing but then immediately he unlike others goes into detail of sanskrit he says that sanskrit is also of three types he says okay. shrautam arsh and laukikam aha uh-huh. he says the sanskrit we speak laukik is not the same as shrout sanskrit ha uh-huh. shruti the sanskrit of shruti is uh, different and then he further says that shrautam dvidha that the, even the vedic sanskrit is also of two types he says mantra brahmanam bhedat so he says that mantra uh, which is actually the sanghita uh, portion of uh, uh, veda that has a different type of sanskrit and um brahmana which is the um second half um, or the second part of vedavangme um, uh, that uses a different type of sanskrit he doesn't stop there he in fact gives example so he quotes um uh, richa uh, to say that this uh, is mantra sanskrit or the chandas and then immediately after that he quotes um from a brahmana from dhyadaranyaka uh, upanishad and he says this is um, brahmar sanskrit wow. and <laughs> and then um, so then he says that arsh so which is that uh, the language which uh, rishis themselves used was uh, a different sanskrit so he he goes into that detail he says there uh, what you read in the smritis and he quotes uh, one uh verse from manusmriti he says this sanskrit is arsh sanskrit and uh-huh. then uh, uh, then he quotes uh, from vayu purana immediately after that he says this sanskrit is purana sanskrit so purana so uh, they, uh, again it's a very lengthy discussion and then he continues and then he goes into prakrit it's a continuum immediately after that he goes into prakritam 
and prakrita again he describes multiple categories of prakrita yes within that he says samskrita samprakritam is the first type of prakrita ah uh-huh. i think i am guessing here i think he is referring to a language very similar to pali okay uh-huh. now uh-huh. we we pay lip service when we often hear this uh, conversation sanskrit pali prakrit we perhaps just do lip service and move forward but i don't want to do that i i think for uh, manoranjan perhaps <laughs> i'll read one line uh, maybe couple of lines from um, from pali so that you can understand how close really it is to uh, vedic bhasha or sanskrit okay so i read from dhammapadam uh-huh. it is uh, dhammathavaggo now listen to this 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 bhasha natein hoti dhammatto yenatham sahasanaye yocha attham anathancha ubho nicheya pandito asahasena dhammena samena nayati pare dhammasya gutto medhavi dhammathoti pavuchati now this this is perhaps what bhojadeva calls as sanskrita samprakrita or uh-huh. a type of prakrita oldest prakrita which was uh, pretty to close to to, to sanskrit uh, yes yeah, now prakrit grammarians themselves by the way i want to again and i i address the sanskrit panditas enthusiasts within prakrita um, grammar and not just the nastikas even very astika prakrita grammarians they have memory of saying this term called arsh prakritam they say that there is a prakrit which is arsh they they think that rishis who uh, saw the mantras they themselves did they use that language they perhaps used the language that they are using is actually prakrit language so unlike um, this more common place uh-huh. thought process that sanskrit is mother of all languages the prakrit grammarians think that sanskrit is a more respected um contemporary language but not the mother of prakrit although there are a lot of prakrit grammarians who also think that uh, sanskrit is mother but they think it's more of um, aunt than mother okay more of uh-huh. a more respected aunt okay understood understood now um, i'll move forward quickly okay uh, in yeah. kashmir um kashmir desh um acharya abhinav gupta he says bhasha sanskritap bhansha bhasha bhanshastu vibhasha what he means is that bhasha so we have seen tulasidas kabir all of them they they happened not too much after abhinav gupta right maybe two centuries later kabir happened they used the word bhasha ji abhinav gupta says bhasha comes from sanskrit when the sanskrit bits broken apabhansh really means broken corrupted fallen yeah, off yeah, language yeah. which breaks the grammar right colloquial so bhasha abhinav gupta says is coming from sanskrit and vibhasha so please understand because nowadays we are confused there is um, braj bhasha there is maithili they are different etc abhinav gupta denies that he says bhasha संस्कृतापभ्रंश तो भाषा इज अपभ्रंश ऑफ संस्कृत एंड भाषापभ्रंशस्तु विभाषा व्हिच मींस दीस बोलीज विभाषास आर ब्रोकन और फॉलन ऑफ वर्जन ऑफ दिस भाषा भाषा 
and please understand bhasha itself um, at at a abstract level means bhashyate iti bhasha what we speak is bhasha so yes. they don't use this word very often for sanskrit they reserve sanskrit for um, you know dev bhasha okay now that doesn't mean that um, sanskrit was not spoken it of course was spoken it was lok bhasha as well uh, that's why we have laukik sanskrit but the laukik sanskrit okay uh, ended up being very clear for the samanya jan for ordinary person to be able to speak with accuracy okay so uh, in the natya shastra uh, bharat muni uh, describes the situation he says that uh, multiple languages should be used so he in fact um, describes seven bhashas so sanskrita is one of them and there are multiple prakritas and then he describes seven vibhashas as well uh-huh. and 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 it should be very clearly understood uh, that um, within vibhashas he has not kept um, dravid bhashas out he does mention uh-huh. andri he does mention um, dravid itself okay uh-huh. he mentions uh-huh. them and he says that natya must use them so uh, the, <laughs> so this um, this um, kind of um, language based uh, conflict that we see is perhaps you know very confusing to me okay because you see this kind of uh, cultural continuum okay but then very briefly i'll just conclude uh, uh, i mentioned the uh, inscription uh, of uh, 4th 5th century which mentions sanskrit right immediately after that prakrita and prabhansh similarly bhamaha in kavya lankar he also follows the same he mentions all the three apabhansh immediately as an essential part of arya bhasha then we have dandin uh, in his kavya darsha and dandi by the way is an interesting um, interesting scholar poet and philosopher he was a north indian who migrated to deep south he um, according to kimvadanti lived um, uh, perhaps in tamil nadu and um, uh, he mentions he follows the same and he in fact um, he says that apart from sanskrit prakrit apabhramsha there is a more common usage which is mixed so you say half sentence or one sentence in sanskrit bhasha another in this prakrit bhasha or in the dravid bhasha perhaps oh, okay so this mixture further no. later in the ji no, no no please go ahead go ahead so i was just going to conclude perhaps it, you asked a very simple question but i made it uh, very long winded but it's very important for us to understand that um for i mean you asked the question how did our civilization um with linguistic exactly with this diversity so i can only say what uh, raj shekhar said so raj shekhar was um, a poet uh, in in um, in um, 11th 12th century uh, in the chandel uh, uh, times in upper madhya pradesh okay so he says a very very important thing he says शब्दार्थौ ते शरीरम संस्कृतम मुखम प्राकृतम बाहु जघनम प्रभ्रंश पैशाचम पादौ उरो मिश्रम सो ही क्रिएट्स एन इमेजरी इमेज द इमेजरी इज ऑफ लैंग्वेज एज ए बॉडी ऑफ ए ह्यूमन बॉडी एंड ही सेज दैट द शरीर एसेंशियल बॉडी इज बेसिकली शब्द एंड अर्थ शब्दार्थौ सो शब्दार्थौ ते शरीरम उनके जो शरीर हैं वो शब्द और अर्थ से बने हैं संस्कृतम मुखम सो 
the uh, sanskrit bhasha is the most important it's the head it's the face yeah. okay but then bahuhu is prakritam prakritam yeah. bahuhu so the heavy lifting is done by prakrit bhasha to conduct our civilizational business and then jaghanam abhrahansha the bottom part is apabhrahansha so we the center of gravity to this civilizational existence is provided by apabhrahansha don't forget that wow. and then paishachampado the feet are paishach now we will skip the vyakhya of paishach pishach language of pishachas okay uh-huh. now there are multiple uh, people have said multiple things about it some think pishachi bhasha was um, language spoken uh, on the northwest some think it is um, uh, tribal language of andhra pradesh or proto telugu perhaps Mm-hmm. Uh, some say paishachi actually is mixture is a dardic language it is a mixture of persian oh, and dardic understood uh, so we will skip that discussion but he says paishacham pado uh-huh. and ultimately uro mishram at heart of this bhasha is a mixture of these yeah that's how so 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 if we take one out if we say sanskritam alone is our lingua franca or we say hindi alone is lingua franca or we say any one of these alone then we would be kind of um, killing that uh, that uh, bhasha purusha right that um, uh, rajashekhar created okay mm-hmm. so i would i would i would conclude there i would maybe again just say that looking at this uh, great um, working model for over 2 millennia that our ancestors created nurtured nourished all this linguistic wars that that are going on i, I can only say that uh, famous subhashitam yatha kharashchan indana bharavahi bharasya vetta annatu chandanasya that like a donkey is carrying uh, a load of uh, uh, sandalwood and, and and uh, that donkey however doesn't know the fragrance of that sandalwood he only knows how much load he is carrying that's how we have become we i am talking in english you are here we are interacting in english we uh, think english is the language of um, uh, improvement and that's where we are i am i apologize i think i took up a lot of time no no please uh, we appreciate you actually taking out time to give such an in-depth answer uh, for the um, benefit of the audience members i would like to emphasize and i i think i should have said it in the beginning that uh, sarvesh tiwari ji has lived across india and sarvesh ji speaks a lot of languages uh, before i move on to the next question my question immediately is how many languages and which all languages do you speak sarvesh ji <laughs> I, i i i won't claim to speak many languages but um, fortunately uh, life gave me opportunity to live uh, like a parivrajak all over uh, bharatvarsh so i spent a um, lot of my years um, in younger days in uh, south india i actually studied and lived in uh, tamil nadu for for a while for several wow. years moved to andhra pradesh i lived in maharashtra i lived in bengal i lived in rajasthan haryana and uh, my mother tongue is avadi i i lived i think i have traveled to perhaps except for a few states in northeast i have been to all these states i can because i lived uh, in tamil nadu for a for a few years when i was young and it is easy to pick up languages when you are young i can read and write tamil i can understand it pretty well i am not fluent i any any more i can 
maybe if i spent couple of days and then after that i becomes fluent uh, telugu is is more easy for me i i, I lived longer in in andhra pradesh as well as a lot of my friends even in tamil nadu were um, telugu so i can i picked up telugu i cannot uh, unfortunately read and write but i can speak so that's more important to speak right yes i did that i can i have fairly uh, good um, uh, practice of bengali as well uh, so especially movies i really enjoy bengali movies so of all uh-huh. the indian movies bengali movies i think are uh, uh, the best so i can i can uh, um, have a conversation in bengali i can actually read and write bengali as well oh wonderful and naturally hindi um, is our lingua franca it is my language as well just like anybody else's but uh, uh-huh. uh, once again maybe i'm repeating i mean um, hindi is not my first language maybe not even my second language okay it's my third language but um, i understand the importance yeah. of hindi and i hope everybody else understands the importance of what we call hindi or what our ancestors called apabhramsha it's very important so dimple <laughs> again a long answer <laughs> no no but this answer was required so that people get a clue about why is it that we invited you and why did we want you to converse with us on this important topic in fact let me tell the uh, participants here that if you uh, go to sarvesh ji's twitter timeline you will see how beautifully he translates chandas tamil poetry into hindi or sanskrit even i mean i have actually uh, reached out to him on behalf of center for indian writers to look at something uh, of that sort you know like him translating those verses from tamil to any language other language that he is comfortable in hindi sanskrit whatever oh, well that was a digression but the question uh, now that i'm going to ask you is about the fact that jo aapne abhi tak kaha usko dekh ke hum still hum ye sab sun rahe hain i would request everybody to keep their microphone on mute so the question surveys is that uh, there are some people who talk about how in 1947 there was a lost opportunity and uh, you know there was sanskrit which could have been taken up and the up walas opposed sanskrit which was propped up by ambedkar ji and south indians and even some muslims uh, said that it should be there and uh, you know some people have this thing that hindi is promoted at the cost of sanskrit in fact uh, you know you would have heard this hindi imposition uh, our brethren from the south talk about it recently i was in a discussion with some friends and uh, because this hindi imposition in the south is being called out you know is being questioned because you know if just a signage in hindi as an option is not hindi imposition it is just an alternative so now i recently was a little surprised that somebody said हिंदी ने खड़ी बोली ब्रिज भाषा अवधि उनके कॉस्ट पे हिंदी बढ़ी है सो दीज आर लिटल डिसअपॉइंटिंग सेंटिमेंट्स फॉर मी एज यू राइटली सेड रीजनल प्राइड शुड बी देयर अपनी माँ सबको प्रिय है पर मौसी से इतना द्वेष रखना और एंड दोज वेरी पीपल आर वेरी ओके विद इंग्लिश सो द्वेष है अपनी मौसी के प्रति पर दास्ता है फिरंगी आंटी के प्रति But, you know, I'm just giving a very common analogy. So I was wondering, what is the truth about the fact that you know we could have had Sanskrit, and but this was an opportunity because of the UP walas, but it was law, you know, lost. So please tell us about it. जी आपने डिंपल जी बहुत सुंदर बातें कहीं आपके प्रश्न में दो तीन 
भिन्न भिन्न प्रश्न हैं एक एक करके उनको लेते हैं आई एम सॉरी आई जम्प इन टू हिंदी अगेन सो प्लीज यूज हिंदी एंड इंग्लिश बोथ वट एवर इज So first of all, uh, the short answer to the question that in 1947 we missed uh, the opportunity of elevating uh, Dev Bhasha once again to the uh, naturally the uh, most deserving Bhasha for being our national lingua franca must be Sanskrit. So referring back to uh, Raj Shekhar's uh, you know imagery, how can how can without face? how can yeah. you have that lingua franca right so <laughs> that part is uh, i i can i agree with that it should be sanskrit but i, I think that's more of um, you know knee jerk reaction uh, opposing hindi okay hindi and sanskrit together okay two spectrums like kalidas uh, had said samskar put on one end of the spectrum and sukhagrahya on the other together um perhaps um, is is the solution but uh, that that was the short answer i think we should um, once again uh, understand that long before 1947 happened long before constitutional assembly was constituted and uh, you know all of that happened language the national language the national lingua franca there was it was decided it it's not um, some 100 people sitting in the parliament decide it was decided by people several generations over 1000 or maybe more than 1000 years okay what that uh, lingua franca looks like was already so i think we should understand that civilizational momentum i call it civilizational momentum if we miss uh, understanding and analyzing that momentum we really make wrong decisions for uh, ourselves and that's a problem not just in the question of language but even in geopolitics even so many other things that are wrong in our society is because we fail to grasp and understand our civilizational momentum yes. but um, uh, dipal ji i think uh, since in last question i bored our audience uh, to sleep perhaps no no, no. i i will make this one interactive <laughs> okay i will keep this uh, interactive and i'll illustrate my point of what i mean by this civilizational momentum long before 1947 by using examples okay examples of uh, speech from all parts of um, uh, india and uh, from across multiple centuries mm-hmm. okay so let me start with um, with a few lines and i i will read them and uh, you let's see what you feel about them okay what what you think is this language so the first um, that i quote is from central india actually written in south india by bhuj deva's uncle uh, munj deva the pramar uh, king uh, oh. so yeah there is a back story to it okay there is a back story that um, uh, in a war with the eastern chalukyas or i think uh, western chalukyas uh, munj deva who was the Uh, predecessor of bhuj deva his uncle he lost the war and he was uh, captured and he was taken as a prisoner uh, to telangana some place in telangana and he was kept as a prisoner and uh, the king chalukya king was tailap and tailap the second and uh, his sister midalini 
uh, and uh, Bhoja's uncle Munj, they fell in love. And uh, there is a lot of poetry that Munj composed while in prison, which is uh, recorded by Bhoja and his chroniclers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, all of these poetry that Munj wrote uh, is addressed to Mridalini. Okay. So that's the backstory. In fact, uh, uh, I hope somebody makes a movie because this this whole it, it, it's uh, no less uh, interesting a movie plot than Bahubali. It in fact oh. ends with Bhoja, who was then 18 years old, leading um, leading a small band of uh, six or seven commandos, going all the way from Madhya Pradesh, Dhar, where his capital was, Dharavati, going to South India uh, in the capital city of Tailapa and freeing his uncle and bringing him back successfully. And uh, the tragedy, comedy, uh, whatever you call it, happens when Minalini uh, prefers uh, his um, patriotism over his love, uh, and oh. she, she doesn't she she doesn't uh, participate in this conspiracy of freeing up his his own her, her own lover. Anyway, so listen to this line, and I'm reading now. Ja mati pachai sampajai sa mati pahili hoy. मुंज so it will perhaps sound rustic but can you connect with this this language uh, dimple ji he, he he is trying to say that ja mati it can be any of the north indian ji so you are right bighana bedhai koi so it does sound like more like Bajabhasha, etc. Yes. So uh, he also says, Ew Jammu Nagguham Giu. Giu means Gayau, later we say, right? Or Gaya in Hindi. Gayu, he says. Bhattasiri Khaggu Nabhaggu. Again, it's little Prakrit Chaya is there in this line. Tikha Turiya Madhya Gori Gali Nalaggu. So it, the sentiment is very much like uh, Bhattrihari's Niti Shataka. He says mm -hmm. that um, this this Jammu, Janma, this Janma is also gone. Bhattasiri Khagguna Bhaggu. Khadg. Bhattasiri means um, on the enemy's uh, soldiers' heads didn't break with your Khadg. Nor yeah. did Gori Gali Nalaggu. Nor mm -hmm. did you have romance with uh, Sundari. Right? Yeah. So um, this is Central India, poetry written in South India in um, 10th, 11th century. Okay. Wow. I'll move forward uh, to East India. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And actually 7th century, there is a um, uh, good collection, very good collection of Apabhansha poetry uh, from Siddha Parampara. Mm -hmm. So the 84 uh -huh. Siddhas of uh, Sahaja uh, school they, they, they are somewhere in the spectrum of Nastika, Astika. You can't put them as hardcore Buddhists. They mm. are they are not Nastikas. But uh, yes, within that spectrum, these 84 Siddhas of North India, uh, they composed their poetry in this language. So please consider this. Okay. Ravi sasi nahi pavesh, tahi badha chitta bisam karu, sarahe kahiya uvesa. This is in Bengal. This was, this was composed in Bengal. This was composed actually 
by a person who is from Assam, Sarahapad. Oh. He was wow. from he was from Assam, but he was uh-huh. a lecturer um, mm-hmm. in, in in the Nalanda University, and yes. then he left his job, and mm-hmm. um, he was seeking uh, what he called a Sahaja Sukha or the enlightenment, and he roamed all over India, and he finally found what he was looking for in Maharashtra. So he's all India uh, Parivrajak basically. So, he's one of your your reincarn. He's one of your reincarnation. <laughs> so he. So this is seventh century, and to me, it sounds like old Hindi. Or, I mean, again, sure, it is. Uh, it is. It is. I mean, you can understand. It's. It's a fourteen hundred year old old uh, language, and yeah. um, if somebody, for example, compares Sangamira uh, Tamil uh, to contemporary Tamil, you can understand the gap in the language, right? It's. It's like yes. that. But that yes. doesn't mean that Hindi is a new language or it didn't exist. Sarahapad, perhaps. Is the first, uh, I would say, closer to what what we can call Hindi. Okay. Wow. Ninth century, Karnhapad. Okay, he is from uh, from Bihar. Okay, Mithila Kshetra. Okay, uh-huh. Karnhapad, ninth century in eight hundreds. He says, very interesting thing. Listen carefully. He says, Ek na kijay mantra na tantra. Hmm. एक न किजई मंत्र न तंत निज घरणी लई केली करंत निज घरणी घरणी मीन्स गृहिणी और पत्नी ओके निज घरणी लई केली करंत निज घर घरणी जावण मज्जई तब की पंचवर्ण विहरिजई आई विल नॉट एक्सप्लेन इट्स अ सांध्य भाषा सो दी सिद्धार्थ they had uh, uh, you know this kind of language sand double meaning language okay? mm-hmm. <laughs> but again <laughs> another um, very it's very sounds very similar to sounds similar you you can make out a lot of words niche yeah. tantra mantra exactly so this in fact this unique thing which we say kijiye lijiye this usage in hindi you can see that reflection here ek na kijai he says mantra na tantra don't do mantra yeah. don't do tantra okay ek na kijai okay so this jiye ki jiye that chaya you can see in this language ninth century karnapad wow. then another interesting one further um, 10th century maybe we'll skip we'll go to goraknath my favorite okay uh, <laughs> okay so gor so again goraknath or goraksanath is a very interesting very very interesting uh, character so in fact um, acharya hajari prasad dwivedi ji he says hmm. that uh, in the religious history of hindus after um, uh, shankara acharya ji perhaps the most impressive personality most uh, effective impactful A personality whose footprints can still be seen all mm. over india just like mm. uh, acharya shankaras mm. that personality is gorakshnath he says okay. in many ways uh, hajari prasad dwir ji finds uh, uh, work of goraksh to be on similar lines as uh, in the different context that of uh, acharya shankar mm-hmm. so um, so gorak footprint i mean it's um, as broad as um, afghanistan so you have um, uh, goraksha peethas there used to be at least um, all the way afghanistan peshawar was a very famous popular one yes. 
Indeed. Peshawar, uh, there still is some skeleton of that Gorakhpeet. Um, Gorakhpur, obviously, we all know Treta Yug center of, uh, in according to their mythology, uh, uh, is one primary center. Another is in Kathiawad in Gujarat. Another in Rajasthan. Uh, Mount so, Abhi. what is the reference that you wanted to give? I, 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 I thank you for bringing me back. I was, yeah, <laughs> I, I was just going to read. <laughs> thank you for bringing me back on track. So, listen to this: ninth century. Basati na sunyam sunyam na basati agam agochar aisa gagar shikhar mahi balak bolay taka nau dharoge kaisa. Wow. Hasiba khelba dhariba dhyan. अहनसी कथिबा ब्रह्म ज्ञान हसै खेले न करे मन भंग ते निचल सदा नाथ के संग मरो ए जोगी मरो मरो मरण है मीठा किस मरणी मरो जिस मरणी दीठा कैन कैन यू सी रिफ्लेक्शन ऑफ हिंदी इन दिस लैंग्वेज और खड़ी बोली और व्हाटएवर वाले इंडीड इंडीड एब्सोल्युटली सो दिस इज गोरखनाथ इन 9th सेंचुरी in northwest of india gorakh this language gorakh uh, followers they have um, uh, collected um, dozens in fact the total sahitya of goraknath is um, as as uh, kalidas said in two wang two modes of wangmaya one is sanskrit and other is this language that you heard okay so essentially you shared with us throughout the centuries across the geography of india how there was this commonality of apabhansha or lokik bhasha but you can find out that this actually is very similar to hindi what we yeah. understand exactly. as I, exactly and i am trying to say that even so again um, if you for example look at um, uh, nanak uh, devs literature nanak is a punjabi Okay, yeah. to far western Punjabi, right? Yeah. And yeah. Where Lahanda and that kind of Thet Punjabi bhasha is used. So his mother tongue is Punjabi. But yeah. if you if you study his his own um, sayings, which are recorded carefully in the Guru Granth, his own sayings, you can see. So he says, "Meet sakhe kete jagmahi bin guru parmeshwar koi nahi." Is this mm. not Punjabi? Why he is not using Punjabi? He is using this language. Yes. So. i am trying to establish that that lingua franca was already established this was the national language nanak is speaking a punjabi is not speaking punjabi when he is talking to broader audience he is talking yes. this language Indeed. there is a very interesting conversation recorded between um, a tibetan monk and a brahmin in swat valley okay remember mm-hmm. in swat valley northern mm-hmm. western part of uh, what is today pakistan Okay. in 12th century okay so there are two two or three sentences so for a change it's not a poetry it's a conversation uh-huh. uh, short sentences between a tibetan monk and a brahmin so Anji. tibetan monk says hami bhotanti jogi hua mm-hmm. brahmin says kashmiri bhotanti aaya so you can i'm sure you are able to follow yeah tibetan says hami kashmiri nahi hamara maha chinn hua maha chinn wow. is greater than this is almost hindi ha ah, it's a, because it's not poetry it is it is gadya yes. conversational he further says kashmiri tibanta pari uh, 10 months 10 months ha uh, nikhala gayi 
so mm. he has been out for 10 months etc etc this is yeah. recorded in tibetan manuscript published by um, by a european indologist in early parts of 1900 wow this tibetan talking to a person in swat valley uh, ibrahimin so the expanse can... you have covered is uh, almost the entire uh, you know what we call the indian subcontinent so from the south to the northwest to the north to the east you've actually demonstrated how there was a lingua franca which was in uh, there and since we are running short of time we will have to move to the next question <laughs> which is like one of the questions that has been um, you know i have personally witnessed it and uh, the fact is that the inadvertent labeling of urdu infested hindi which is propagated by bollywood and television entertainment channels which makes friends uh, from the south of india think that hindi is actually urdu so okay let me be candid i have no problems with urdu at all but i have a huge issue and complaint with anybody and anyone corrupting hindi with urdu and claiming that uh, it is hindi and hindustani and we should accept it because shuddha hindi or klisht hindi is very difficult or you know it is it is very difficult for people to understand to pronounce and i believe that this entire fabrication of hindi being difficult is such a sham and we need to bust it once and for all and uh, we need to understand that anybody who actually speaks understands hindi would be able to immediately discern that it is either an offspring or a sibling of hindi so i would want uh, you your comments on uh, the promotion of urdu as some kind of a language of culture adab tehzeeb because of which you know there's been a lot of negative perception about hindi per se maybe deliberately or inadvertently so this is something that that i feel really passionate about your views please i think this is a very important question i think um, at multiple layers multiple levels uh, this or answer to of this question uh, creates problems or maybe solves problems i don't know but uh, <laughs> but uh, again i my 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 methodology of uh, looking at anything is to look at it from the lens of uh, civilizational momentum and history right urdu uh, this language didn't exist until about 200 or 250 years back let me be very candid yes nobody had this language called urdu until mid 1700s even the moguls even the muslim rulers there there was no concept of urdu they when they spoke farsi they spoke shuddha farsi and yeah. when they spoke hindi they spoke shuddha hindi yeah. example of that is um, even in the recorded poetries of um, um, right from right from um, khusro right so if you if you if you um, pay attention to khusro's poetry you will not find any there there is no there is no urdu in that okay it's a yes. shuddha hindi okay then um down to rahim okay so rahim who foster son of akbar and khan khana rahim's dohe you you will not find a single word of arabi farsi etc yeah it's hindi yeah it's shuddh hindi tatsam sanskritanishth hindi ji okay? down to jayasi malik mohammad jayasi who wrote padmavat read ji. his padmavat there is no urdu there is no mixture of um, loan words right correct even the urdu poets you would be surprised okay urdu poets of i mean so called urdu poets of uh-huh. um, early 1700s okay Th- their language you would be surprised so for example um, famous mir okay mir 
I'll read one line. It is recorded in Mir's uh, Kalam. Okay, Mir the Kimir. Okay, he says, "I'm reading." क्यों कर न चुपके चुपके यू जान से गुजरिए कहिए व्यथा जो उससे बातों की राह निकले ना इमेजिन व्यथा और विथा ही सेज ओके नॉट दर्द ओके व्यथा दिस मीर तकी मीर ओके सो सो बट समथिंग हैपेंड ओके टुवर्ड्स द लेट 1700s अर्ली 1800s सेम पर्सन मीर लेटर ही रोट आई अगेन रीड अगरचे गोशा गुजी हूं मैं शायरों में मीर पर मेरे शोर ने रूए जमी तमाम लिया नाउ आई डोंट नो द मीनिंग ऑफ दैट आई मे बी यू डू आई डोंट नो सो सो दिस लैंग्वेज गॉट क्रिएटेड समवेयर इन इन मे बी लेट वेरी लेट पार्ट्स ऑफ 1700 बट देयर आर अ कपल ऑफ थिंग्स वी नीड टू अंडरस्टैंड दिस लैंग्वेज ऑफ उर्दू we should distinguish clearly from loan words that we have in our natural bhasha hindi okay uh-huh. or not just in hindi any indic language beat bengali marathi kannada even tamil hmm. even tamil i was surprised um, <laughs> i was i was hearing on youtube um, a discourse tamil discourse of a very famous uh, yogacharya Mm-hmm. and he in his discourse in tamil bhasha he uh, uses words like mamul for example okay oh. parwa wow. now again please do, no disrespect i'm just saying even in deep tamil bhasha these arabic and farsi words you can hear okay in kannada much more telugu even more yes marathi and bengali um, if you read the literature of um, 1700s etc there is a lot of persian and arabic but there was conscious conscious very conscious movement of um, indianizing once again uh, uh-huh. the languages and both marathi and bengali mahanubhav they they purposefully cleansed their languages so shivaji had uh, his own you know momentum that he gave to cleaning up the language right so the so again point i was trying to make was there is loan words which are sprinkled into bhasha which go all the way before even islam was born farsi itself is cousin cousin language it's a, it's an aryan cousin bhasha pahlavi yes. uh, prakrit are and sanskrit they i mean they, they they you can you can relate with them okay yes so even in the 11th century etc when india did not yet have india proper did not yet have any islamic rule the poetry of that time even there are some loan words, uh, words okay uh-huh. so for example chandra bardai uh, who was a uh, court poet uh, and friend of uh, prithviraj chauhan mm-hmm. prithviraj was the last hindu king there was no islamic rule before then but even in prithviraj raso and it's a puzzle which um, scholars uh, are still not able to resolve prithviraj raso has a few persian words such as asman for example or garib uh-huh. so it means it's a cultural civilizational loan yeah, from the neighbor okay mm-hmm. just like pahlavi and farsi has bunch of um, sanskrit words it's just that much so coming back urdu is different urdu is where you load this um, bhasha with with not loan words but actually you say that uh, my nishtha my aspiration is farsi itself so, mm. so 
So a friend of mine, a colleague of mine uh, from Iran, uh, this lady visited uh, India, and uh, she was hearing some, you know, Bollywood songs, and she was able to make out parts of it. I mean, because it's so much loaded with uh, Farsi, she was saying it's like um, broken Farsi. Okay, that much Farsi is there. Uh, but coming back, I think um, I think um, it's good if they want to have Urdu as a culture. It's up to them. I won't go into history of what sanskar of that culture is. I mean, yeah. I don't think it benefits us for this webinar. Uh, but if they want to, it's it it can be a niche. It can be a language of its own. It can be vishesh um, bhasha of its own. But don't claim that that is the mainstream. That is the Hindi because if you do that, you do irreparable harm to this uh, this lingua franca that we had. For multiple reasons, we first of all get disconnected with um, with the time horizon. We, if we start speaking this language that is full of Arabic and Farsi loan words, you break yourself from your ancestors. Absolutely. And um, other is, other is uh, also you make uh, Hindi alien to its um, its sisters like Marathi, Bengali, and its cousin sisters like Telugu and Kannada. Telugu and Kannada are not alien languages to Hindi. Hindi is their direct first cousin. Yes. Okay? There are so many words in Kannada. So I actually couldn't, we don't have time. I did not reach um, South India part of uh, how popular study of Apubhramsha was all over mm -hmm. South India. Uh -huh. uh, but, but suffice to say that I, just like examples I give from North, people don't realize how much, how much um, this language Apabhramsha was cultivated deep even in Tamil Nadu. Just an example, um, the famous scholar uh, Appaya Dikshitar, he, you know, he, he is in 1500s, you know, 16th century. What was the need for him to write a Prakrit grammar? He did. Wow. He, 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 he wrote a Prakrit grammar. He even wrote a work called Apabhramsha Prakarana. So he, he even wrote a brief, brief, um, brief uh, upper branch grammar as well, sitting in Tamil Nadu. Wow. You'd be surprised. There is, um, there is this work um, uh, called Shad Bhasha, uh, and there are various uh, appendix to it. But this word Shad Bhasha is very commonly used in South India, referring to collection of uh, six languages. Mm -hmm. So there is a manuscript, um, uh, very widespread manuscript of... Uh, Shad um, Bhasha uh, Chandrika. Okay, mm -hmm. it is written by um, a Telugu Brahmin uh, mm -hmm. by name of uh, Lakshmi Dhar. Okay, mm -hmm. so in this work he himself and he's he's um, in uh, uh, um, he's uh, on the banks of Godavari. He says he's from Chirukuri. He's a Kashyap Gotra and he's a Somayaji and uh, he writes this grammar um, that I mentioned, Shad uh, Bhasha Chandrika. Manuscripts of which are found from as widespread as Mysore to Tanjavur, from uh, Vizag uh, to Trivandrum. And you would be surprised, the most complete manuscript of this work of Lakshmi Dhara is actually found uh, from a Tamil Pandit's house uh, in Salem district of Tamil Nadu in mm -hmm. last century, it was discovered. Mm -hmm. And then uh, eventually as the manuscripts are collected, there are widespread uh, use of this. Um, 
survivor in in 13th century uh, and the copies of this manuscript go all the way to 16th 17th century and it's not the alone work he himself mentions other works and then shad bhasha like i said there are multiple other uh, varieties of that studied cultivated uh, in karnataka uh, uh, chalukya raj uh, someshwara dev he wrote uh, a, an encyclopedic work unique work uh, of uh, collection of knowledge called uh, uh, manasolas in manasolas it, it's it's a description of everything and um, uh, more there he quotes specific um, uh, language uh, prakrit language specifically in context of music okay and that language he uh, if you if you read the, the kind of language it is not uh, like a typical maharashtri prakrit it's very very north indian prakrit okay mm-hmm. i as an avadhi uh, mother tongue person can actually understand it without having to translate it first into sanskritam wonderful so many other things but i i again i as as with every other answer i went too far away from urdu i was just saying that uh, urdu is different language please don't say this is urdu because that if you say that this is urdu you are refusing to recognize what hindi or momentum of hindi uh, coming all the way down through upper bhamsha and that coming down from sanskrit really is okay now why is it popular why do we hear that that you know you know that answer as well as i do so <laughs> so this bollywood and this media it just so happened that it's in their control so i had uh, taken a kind of i was just doing some research that um, from 1948 onwards all the lyricists the most famous lyricists who composed together collectively maybe 95% of all songs in the uh, bollywood uh, films L- listen to their names they are all you, you just listen to their names jaan isar akhtar that is dad of our akhtar sahab yeah <laughs> kaif bhopali hmm. kaifi azmi father in law of uh, akhtar sahab hmm. Sha- shakil badayuni ji hasan jaipuri ji hasrat jaipuri ji zaidi sahir uh-huh. ludhianvi मजाज लखनवी मजरूह सुल्तानपुरी राहत इंदौरी मेहंदी रजा मार्किंग दम आउट बिकॉज दे आर मुस्लिम फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल आई एम सींग दे आर ऑफिशियल फुल टाइम डेडिकेटेड उर्दू पोएट्स देर लार्जर बॉडी ऑफ वर्क उर्दू एंड दे आर गुड उर्दू पोएट्स okay i'm not it's not a judgement i they are very good urdu poets but they are urdu poets and then let me since i mentioned muslims i i don't want to you know just mention muslims look at the hindus and what they were doing okay rajendra krishna duggal okay mm-hmm. rajendra kishan okay born in um, lahore mm-hmm. so even the hindus okay that uh, contributed okay shailendra Hmm. again he 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 is born in what is today pakistan he our gulzar sahab okay gulzar who is, whose name is sampuran singh kalra again pakistan born ji or I, i shouldn't say pakistan born but from the geography that that is now pakistan ji i think point i'm trying to perhaps make um, without without uh, success maybe is that <laughs> the 
संस्कार ऑफ दिस भाषा वी हियर इज ऑफ ए पार्टिकुलर निश दैट निश इज उर्दू दैट इज वेरी 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 लिमिटेड एक्सट्रीमली लिमिटेड यू कैन स्टिल से इन दैट भाषा पुरुष इट इज समेयर बट इट्स नॉट द मेन बॉडी ऑफ दैट भाषा पुरुष so that, that i think we need to clean cleanse our bhasha we should again bring back uh, that language which can be sugrahe again deep south even ji and just like a necklace right necklace with uh, pearls ji. moti okay by the way moti i heard uh, from a friend is it is is from tamil muttu okay so this ah. in sanskrit and hindi came from tamil nadu and uh-huh. uh, in fact rajashekhar as i was saying that poet yeah. living in madhya pradesh um, in chandel um, area in his imagery it is all south india he talks about moti so i am again digressed he talks in detail about how moti or pearl is cultivated how uh, deep south around ramsetu and uh, setu samudram area moti is cultivated anyway just like um, a necklace of pearls there is a thread that connects those pearls yeah. that thread can only be sanskrit bhasha nothing yes. else if you yes. break that and replace it with something else that that necklace gets broken then these pearls they would get scattered okay Understood. these pearls meaning our indic languages Understood. that's what sanskrit is thank you so much sarvesh ji about that i also wanted i mean you brought it out very well that there's a disproportionate contribution of urdu lyricists or lyricists who were actually urdu poets and i also believe that uh, there is this uh, forcible foisting of urdu on muslims of india as if to say that you know whenever they depict uh, muslim society muslim characters you know, antagonist protagonist anything if the milieu is muslim or islamic i don't know why bollywood tv people and otherwise they are trying to force forced uh, urdu onto them you know they have to speak a certain way which is kind of crazy as you rightly said that it's hardly 3 it's less than 300 years old so it wasn't an islam in india has been here for many centuries so it wasn't as if the so this cultural alienation that is being brought about you very well hallet it is not correct and therefore i believe we have actually a reason to cleanse the language you know urdu can be urdu separate but let's not uh, allow people to run away with it and you know corrupt hindi and claim that what they call hindi is actually hindi which brings us towards the end because we have to also take the audience questions my last question and i would request you to keep the answer short so that we can take audience q and a is what is the way forward what can we do as indians who are just citizens and but now we are living in times which are better connected so how do you suggest we could go forward dimple ji i think uh, there are so many things to um, perhaps uh, uh, see in that go forward uh, approach but some of the uh, essential things are first of all to understand that unlike the monolithic um, uh, approach that lingua franca is one single register some say that should be sanskrit some say that should be hindi some say it should be something else we should start to cultivate multilingualism uh, among ourselves yes that has been and again not See, scholars would always be polyglots. I am not talking about scholarly multilingualism. I am talking people. about common people, yes. ordinary person. So, 
I think we should stop opposing this um, at the education level. Uh, this uh, multi multilingualism. Okay. Now, at the same time, at the same token, I want to request North Indians to also, uh, you know, when they live in South India, for example, pick they should pick up the local language. Absolutely. I mean, more languages you pick up, uh, more <laughs> cultured, more, you know, even your thought process, your overall methodology of thinking improves. Yes. And like you were saying, you, you used the nice word, Mausi Bhasha, right? So if, if um, your mother tongue be uh, Avadhi, Braja, whatever. Kashmiri. Kashmiri. You are living in Andhra or Karnataka. Pick up the local language as well. Indeed. So that would be second thing. Third, I think we talked about it in context of Urdu. If you like Urdu, please pick up Urdu, learn Urdu, even learn the script. But then when you speak Hindi, please speak Shuddha. Uh, Hindi, which is of its own milieu, its own culture. Okay, Urdu and Hindi. Please let's not mix it. That's third. Fourth, Hindi education, and I think I think uh, some state governments have done a good job. We should recognize it. Hindi without Sanskrit is like headless chicken. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so Hindi education must essentially have Sanskrit bhasha education in it. So Uttar Pradesh was the first state that made Sanskrit a mandatory subject in, in, in its uh, board up to uh, 12th standard. Now at policy level, at implementation, it was botched up uh, just like many other things. But still, even today, uh, there is a mandatory, Anivar is Sanskritam, they call it. Yeah. Anybody who uh, does high school or intermediate in Uttar Pradesh has to study Sanskrit. Understood. Sanskrit should be mandatory. Absolutely, yes. That necklace and thread. The right? thread, the link. Absolutely. Sanskrit must be mandatory. Hindi and Sanskrit should go hand in hand and together. That's how Kalidas said, right? Yes. Sarputen, Sukhgrahen. Should be Jee. together. Next thing I would say, technology, right? Even before technology, I think more important than that are children, okay? I feel very sad. Okay, I, I, the other day I was, um, I was uh, invited to a friend's um, place, uh, you know, for some occasion. And the children, the, these were uh, Telugu and uh, Tamil uh, families. They were talking in English to even each other, okay, even to the parents. I think um, that should change. I think at home, uh, amongst uh, ourselves, we should try to cultivate um, our mother tongue. I mean, let let the mother tongue not become a foreign language like English and then a very poor language like English. Okay, let mother tongue be the mother tongue. Okay, so Indeed. that's that's perhaps a very important thing. Lastly, the translations and technology. So translations. There was a time, uh, Dimple ji, up ko smaran hoga. Patrikaein jo aati thi Uttar Bharat mein Hindi patrikaein to band ho gayi yani. जो पत्रिकाएं आती थी उन पत्रिकाओं में मैंने फॉर एग्जांपल मास्ती कन्नड़ भाषा के महान दिग्गज साहित्यकार हैं उनकी अनेक कथाएं हिंदी अनुवाद में मैंने पढ़ी हैं अनेक इसी प्रकार से भिन्न-भिन्न लेखक मराठी के बांग्ल भाषा के आंध्र के उनके अनुवाद हिंदी में प्रकाशित होते रहे प्रत्येक अंक में 
कुछ ना कुछ किंचित होते ही थे दिस क्रॉस लिंगुअल कल्चरल एक्सचेंज इज एक्सट्रीमली इंपॉर्टेंट एंड प्लीज आई वॉज रीडिंग आई वॉज रीडिंग आवरना ट्रांसलेटेड इन टू इंग्लिश बाई ए वेरी वर्दी संदीप राइट any of this great um, great novels great uh, uh, artifacts of uh, literature in any indian language must be available in all other indian languages we should create yes. that kind of culture and uh-huh. you mentioned that i was trying to trans- it is my aspiration i am i am working on couple of translation projects to translate uh, from other languages into hindi and uh, you know let's see where those kind of things go but i would encourage all of us um, from whatever language we speak to pick up uh, the pen spend some time invest uh, some time in doing translations and lastly technology is uh, our friend and i think um, um, i think i think uh, the several usage of usage of uh, technology using which we can bridge the gap between languages including teaching languages so um, i fully support the north indians who live for example in in bangalore must lo- learn kannada so let's create uh, technology for making that learning easy let's create the ecosystem and infrastructure for making that happen those were some stray thoughts i think uh, dimple ji to answer your question hello dimple ji hello dimple ji ओझाजी spelling issues and also probably she will speak out her question uh, dv shridharan ji has appreciated you you are an amazing man he says and he believes that uh, malayalam is an easy language for a north indian to pick up uh, he also wants to understand how difficult or easy was tamil for you uh, you have to keep the answer very short because sumedha ji's question has also to be answered <laughs> uh, i okay my short answer is i <laughs> don't think it was difficult at all there is no no difficult language quite honestly okay all languages are equally easy or equally difficult all you need is you know environment to teach you that and will power to learn that so it was not difficult for me in fact uh, uh, i would say one thing in the hindsight that if we can standardize the scripts okay again that's a very touchy subject i i understand why it is emotionally touchy but to me lipi or the script is least important when when it is about languages in fact if we can standardize um, script and pick your script i am not just saying that devanagari devanagari just happens to be the most um, common script today and for centuries common but if we had one script i would have learned more easily tamil first i need, needed to obviously learn to speak but then i did once i learned the script and once i was able to read magazines and newspapers etc it really accelerated the learning telugu bhasha on the other hand i cannot read okay i and it was i was lazy i didn't put the effort to be honest 
so if i'm thinking if i knew the script i could maybe be more efficient in uh, telugu bhasha as well so i hope that answers and thank you shidranji yes so uh, so mega ji i'm unmuting you please uh, ask your question directly so mega ji are you there uh hello sumedha ji are you there me can you hear me i can you hear me sarvesh ji can you yes, hear me sumedha ji we can okay so thank you for a wonderful exposition sarvesh ji i have two questions the first is just could you give me a reference to that bhasha purush of rajshekhar is it from his kavya mimamsa because mm -hmm. i feel that it should be our anthem today for this country's linguistic diversity that should be our anthem so i would really like it if you could just give me the reference so that i could Absolutely, get the absolutely sumita ji i will i, will, I it is from kavya mimamsa and uh, i will give you the uh, exact reference maybe i will publish a blog okay or maybe on your twitter timeline i'll take I it from there thank you i will do that. Uh, my thank other question is that i have been uh, very very interesting research uh, till uh, you went back till about the 5th century i am a historian of ancient india i like to go back you know a couple of millenniums before that so uh, when during the mahajanpad period you had the four different prakrits and we have uh, a series of research uh, articles done and by many people linking hindi to udich and to uh, the shabazgadi uh, and the mahajana uh, instruction uh, inscriptions and uh, to the kalsi dialect so do you have any research on that do you have any inputs on that i would be very happy to learn something new about this ji so uh, I, i would briefly mention a couple of things uh, i am aware of those researches uh, sumita ji Um, that uh, this hindi bhart because there are some unique uh, aspects of uh, linguistic aspects grammatical aspects phonological aspects of uh, the bhasha which mm -hmm. are not found in prakrits mm. or the popular prakrits it is true so um, scholars try to find some specific origin of this uh, this bhasha one thing is for sure consensus that the origin of this language is not northern it is western and specifically north western that much is for sure hmm. and say and other thing which more and more uh, nowadays people are saying uh, not to digress but but still is that this maharashtri prakrit is not exactly proto marathi so hmm. they think that this maharashtri while spoken in the region of uh, maharashtra so satwahan um for example attest that the whole literature there attest to mm. it spread but this maharashtri was far more widespread and uh, kind of the center of gravity of prakrit was maharashtri not because it is from maharashtra but um, all india likewise this uh, apabhramsha which which we call hindi or the proto version of that is also uh, from one of the uh, apabhramshas which was northwestern of extraction so shaurseni mixing with uh, with the and there was also of course the uh, influence of eastern prakrit on it mm -hmm. if you have any references or any articles on this and if you could post them i would be very grateful 
I will. I will try. To and thank you for a really wonderful exposition. It was uh, fascinating to us. I don't know thank how it went. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sumedha ji, Sarvesh uh, ji. I thank you for your time and patience and energy. Uh, I mean, this has been a fabulous uh, conversation for me personally, and I'm sure that all the other participants would agree with me. I would also like to thank all the participants for taking out so much time and you know making it an enriching uh, discussion. I sincerely hope that this is first of uh, many such talks that we have on uh, languages uh, with linguists, uh, including yourself. And uh, thank you so much, Indic Academy, and who helped us in making this uh, event uh, a success, or so we would like to believe. See you soon uh, in the next edition of Indic Chat. Uh, happy Dantes and happy Advance. Namaste. Om Swasti. <laughs>